Hey there, welcome to Fleet FYIs, the weekly podcast by Utilimark that reveals how you can make the most of your data for Sperner fleet management. My name is Gretchen, and every week you'll hear from me and some of the industry's finest in candid conversations that will shed some light on not only two decades worth of data insights, but some of the industry's hottest talking points and key metric analysis with the aim to help you better understand your fleet from every angle. But before we begin, if this is the first time you've heard our show, thanks for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to come along for the ride with us. But I've got a quick favor to ask you. Once you've finished today's episode, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate it. Give us a rating, five stars I hope, or tell us what you liked or leave us a comment or a question about what you've heard in today's episode. But if we haven't yet covered a topic that you're interested in hearing more about, let us know. We would be happy to go over it in detail in a later episode. If that sounds good to you, let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. Before we get started for today, I wanted to take a moment to say that I hope you're all doing well, and to everyone currently in the southern states experiencing this massive amount of uncharacteristic winter and snow, we are hoping that warm weather is absolutely headed your way soon and that you and your families are safe. Our hearts are with you all, and we're hoping for a brighter and warmer tomorrow. But pivoting back to our topic for today, let's touch on something that's had the industry talking for a while. Asset management and how to manage ever-growing fleets well is certainly on the mind of fleet managers today. Now, this can be through an industry-based data management platform, which we'll delve into more in our episode today, or it can be an internal system. And I actually think that this topic is quite relevant, especially now, because fleet sizes are evolving to suit the needs of their organization, and many fleets are still looking to optimize assets and operational efficiency, not just because it's a smart tactic to pursue, but also it's due to COVID-related budget cuts. Today's episode kicks off the last part of our three-part mini-series with Dave Meisel from Quanta Services. Today, he'll cover asset management, data management platforms, and how he manages a fleet of over 60,000 assets, which sounds a little crazy, but promise he can make it work. Let's dig in. Let's start this episode off by shifting gears. Sorry there for the driving pun. I just couldn't help myself. I'm away from looking forward in fleet and fleet electrification towards data management. And Dave, as someone in an executive leadership role within your organization, I'm sure this is a topic that you're quite comfortable with, especially when it comes to utilizing a data management platform. We both know that as fleets grow, the amount of data does too, and in an exponential fashion, both in quantity and importance. It's coming in from all areas of your fleet, from telematics to fuel card data, GPS and driver safety, alongside so much more to the point where it can almost be overwhelming. Data silos can quickly be created, and it can easily become very difficult to manage. To avoid the struggle that comes along with trying to manage data in all of these silos across multiple platforms, many fleet managers are turning to a one-stop digital data management platform rather than solely relying on a single or small team of internal analysts. Dave, in your opinion, can you tell me a little bit more about how a platform similar to this style can fit into a fleet management strategy, especially for such a large company like Quanta? Um, you know, I 
I've probably got an advantage here in that I've been in this industry a long time and I started on the ground floor and worked my way up. So I've, I've seen kind of what it takes at, at every layer. And uh, what I what I know for sure is that, um, you know, when you're a beginner or, or you're working in an area with a small fleet and, and you know every piece of equipment and everything that was done to every piece of equipment, um, you are fully capable of managing by walking around. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't take long before there are too many locations, there are too many pieces of equipment, too many states, too many countries. You can no longer manage by walking around and you must be able to transition to manage by data. Um, and that's where, where you know, data management comes into play. So in our case, you know, we have 68,000 pieces of equipment in, oh, I don't know, 15 or 20 countries in all the states in the U.S. And uh, it's mathematically impossible for somebody like me to put their hands on everything or even understand what's going on. Uh, so we depend on data and we depend on data when we look at multiple companies, multiple divisions. Um, you know, there's got to be a way to compare and contrast to benchmark, whether it's internally or externally. And that only comes from getting data and getting it into a format that actually allows it to be used as information. And um, I think that's, that's our, that's the challenge, right? Is how do you get large organizations to um, look at data generated by multiple data collection points and then get it into the, into a format that allows you to look at it and, and manage a large organization. Um, it's impossible to run a large organization without the appropriate data or without the appropriate information. And um, we, we spend a tremendous amount of time getting to the point where we can take all these data points, get them into useful information, and I can teach presidents of companies and vice presidents of fleet how to use that information to improve their operation. Um, but it all starts with those individual data points and then how you align them to make them useful. Absolutely. So what you're kind of saying is unless someone can walk super fast to get to all of these garages or have massive hands to get their hands on all the data, perhaps managing a large number of assets might be a little bit difficult without a strong sense of what your data is. That, that's true. I mean, <laughs> just, just how many places can you go to, right? How many pieces of equipment can you physically remember? You know, I, I, it, it's not it's not as much as one would normally hope. Right. <laughs> And I think that's true, especially as your organization grows too, right? So where does a data management platform fit into all of this? Because obviously the data's got to go somewhere. You're not just going to be able to chuck it into an Excel spreadsheet and have it be collaborative for everyone working on it. That, that's 100% right. And, you know, we're, a, a, I think, Quanta in total is a really good example of this. Um, we have operating groups and operating companies, and many companies do. Um, and, you know, they collect information at that group level. It doesn't necessarily roll up nicely to what the group next to them collects or how they collect it. And so my job is to kind of take all of those data points from all of those operating groups and then somehow roll them up um, so that, you know, we can get a really good view of, of what fleet management looks like. And um, there are 
content, but I will tell you that, um, you know, as you know, we've, we've used Utilmark for a long time. And um, with that overarching platform that they have, um, that allows us to look across, you know, multiple companies, multiple operating groups, um, and get the commonalities of each so that we can, you know, build um, calculations that, that help us understand cost structures, you know, kind of equivalently uh, across those organizations. And um, so that's, we've been incredibly fortunate with that relationship and, uh, and working with those guys. And um, that's one way to do it. Uh, the other one is you just need a whole pile of IT people that understand the fleet business in your own company. Um, you can do it that way too, but uh, we're somewhere in between those two, I suppose. Fair enough. So from a corporate or an executive level perspective, um, what do you think would be the most difficult aspect of asset management or, um, or maybe planning for the acquisition of new assets and just using the data that you're being provided with these yep. platforms? Well, I will tell you, that's a, that's a pretty easy question for me. Um, with the number of operating groups that we have, um, you know, we give them a lot of autonomy to run their business well, and they're really, really good at it. Um, so it's very tough when you get a big organization to say this one size fits all and, and that something can come down from the corporate office and say, gee, we're going to do this everywhere and it's going to be perfect. It's never perfect. Um, and so we tend to let information go from the bottom up, not the top down, because the, the people running that business know the business better than anybody. And when that occurs, at least in our situation, what I see is um, it's it's tough to get everybody to think the same way. And I'm not sure that you actually need to. But if I'm in um, uh, a nice warm weather climate and I have customers that don't change much, I don't run a lot of miles, you know, I may be more than willing to run a vehicle for 10 or 12 years. Conversely, if I'm in you know, a rural area and I'm running 40 or 50,000 miles a year, um, that same vehicle may only be a four or five year vehicle. And how do you, how do you look at those disparate views of a, of a life of a replacement cycle and try to make them work? Right. The reality is you can't, you can't say, gee, somewhere in between the two is half. And, you know, instead of using five years here and 10 years there, we're going to use seven for everyone. Uh, that just doesn't work very well. I need a system that allows me to run five where it needs to be five and 10 where it needs to be 10. Um, and then the ability to understand that at that, at that platform level or at that, that corporate level. And, um, that is absolutely the toughest part about my job is, is looking at all of those different operating groups, all of their different needs with the exact same pieces of equipment and all of the different ways they're used in what part of the country and what their operating characteristics are, and then getting together some intelligent and cohesive replacement strategy. I can't think of anything harder. Fair enough. So um, when we're talking about uh, the different types of data that you're using, I would assume that understanding the financial data and just the financials in general of your organization is a massive aspect of managing fleet assets. Could you perhaps share some insight as to how maybe budget fluctuation is tied to asset management, whether it's positive or negative? Well, you know, every company is different and some are cash rich and some aren't. And uh, what I know for certain after having done this for a long time is that fleet managers get stuck in the middle, whether regardless of which kind of situation the company's in. Um, 
what I do know is that fleet managers need to be super flexible. Um, you know, you're planning on replacing a hundred or a thousand vehicles this year, and all of a sudden you get the capital to replace fifty or five hundred, right? And uh, and immediately you have to change your strategy. And and I think that is um, if there's something about budget fluctuations, it's that you just never know. You know what the needs of the rest of the business are when you're at the fleet level per se. If you're at my level, and you kind of see across different components and the strategic direction of the company. That's one thing, but most I don't think are in that situation. So they become the recipient of those decisions, um, and they generally don't get a lot of lead time. So it's the flexibility of starting to understand uh, what you're planning to do this year, but also what you can do if needed. And I would only recommend that you understand both of those when you go into budgeting season. Here's my 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 best case scenario plan, and here's my worst case scenario, and I know how to execute both of them. And then hopefully, it, you know, you get your best case, but if it ends up somewhere between best case and worst case, then you have a plan. Um, and that, that, that to me is just every year I've budgeted, I've been in that situation for one reason or another. And, you know, it, you, you just have to be prepared for that. It never goes away. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like the last or the theme of this year and the last year plus, maybe it's really just been flexibility, right? Because perhaps it's like when you want to replace, you know, maybe like you said, 50 or 500 vehicles, is that really taking priority over other aspects of your fleet? Maybe last year? Yes, but maybe this year not. I mean, flexibility is just going to be key. But when you think about it, you go to last year is, you know, we we started to understand COVID and those things, you know, December, January, but it really didn't kind of leap until March or April. Um, and so people in this November, December were planning on a normal capital year, a normal business year, January, February, still pretty normal. And then all of a sudden, bam, right? The doors got shut, the people stopped working and instantaneously. And that whole planning cycle was disrupted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I've just found over time is it may not be COVID this year or it may not be COVID next year, but it's many times it's something, it's something different each and every year. And so the value of not only having your, what your, your, your wish list is, but having what you absolutely can go down to uh, and being prepared for both to me, that's, that's invaluable because it happens way more than I think most people would like to, uh, to think it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not as catastrophic as COVID, but, you know, there's small catastrophes every now and again. degrees, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one other thing that I've seen come up actually quite frequently when looking at asset management, and that's just in the case study format, and then also other research for this episode, is the link to maintenance trends or perhaps maintenance forecasting. Do you think that um, understanding a vehicle's life cycle and maintenance um, their maintenance needs are a crucial aspect to asset management from your level, or is that more something that a fleet manager for a specific garage or a region might be worried about day to day? I, I got to tell you, I, I think that's one of those few things that is everybody's job. Um, you know, think about that fleet manager or the local facility. They know absolutely how that unit is being used. They know the, the you know, the, um, how many hours it's getting, what the condition is, how the operators are treating it, all those things. 
there's nobody in my job that knows that, right? But my job is to allocate capital. And so if I'm thinking that there's one life cycle replacement strategy and that person on the front line thinks that there's another, we're not going to do very well, right? We, we really need to, to understand somewhere that somewhere there's got to be an information exchange that occurs um, so that we know truly at my level what our frontline needs. Um, and I just can't guess at it, right? I just can't guess at it. I'll never be right. So we work diligently at, at um, we do bottoms up planning. We let our operating units tell us what they need um, instead of the other way around. And there's a, um, I don't want to say probably validation that occurs. Validation probably isn't a fair term. It, it's more like um, adding up all of the operating groups and then making sure that it kind of fits at the top level. Um, and when it doesn't, then we do some adjusting. Uh, but I'm I'm a big fan of it's it's a the ground has to drive the capital strategy strategy only because that's where the work is occurring. It doesn't occur in some corporate office. It certainly doesn't occur in my office. Yet I'm the one responsible for setting capital. Um, so there's got to be a mechanism for me to understand what that field needs. And if we don't have that, then we're certainly going to miss the mark in total. So that's that's kind of my view. And, and I will say, you know, that I tell people there's a huge difference between life cycle and replacement cycle. And a lot of people don't know the difference. Um, you know, life cycle, it's a theoretical spot on a, on a graph where, um, you know, operating costs outrun replacement costs. That's a theoretical number at best. Um, a lot of people believe in that methodology. Um, it's a fine methodology, but it's not the lowest cost methodology, right? It's, it's just one of the different methodologies out there. Um, a replacement cost or a replacement cycle, uh, it kind of disregards that place where on the graph where um, operating costs outrun replacement costs. And it, it just looks at it and it says, well, Gee, my payment is a thousand dollars a month. How many months do I actually spend more than a thousand dollars in maintenance? Particularly if you already replaced that twenty thousand dollar engine, that twenty thousand dollar engine throws the math off for a long time. But once you've done it, the future look gets much much lower cost. And a lot of people don't look at it that way. But uh, there is a balancing act between life cycle replacement and replacement cycle views that, um, that people need to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do really think that communication is key. And like you said, you know, having that bottom up um, type of strategy there, I mean, you want to go to the people that know the most about whether it's a product or an asset or a vehicle, you know, you want to go to the people that know the most about it in order to make the most well-informed decisions regarding what happens with said asset, right? Totally agree. You know, and I look at it in my case, when you have, um, if you look at where you live in Minnesota, where I live in kind of, you know, Southeast Texas, um, I promise you the way that a piece of equipment lasts, is treated, operates, the maintenance cycle, vastly different. And when you're a big company and you have operations in all of those states, nobody knows. I don't know how Maine treats the vehicle, but Maine does. Um, and so without that bottoms up, I just don't know how anybody with, with 
kind of broad responsibility, whether it's just a few states um, or a lot of states. Um, once it gets out of something that you can actually go to and touch and feel every day, it becomes a data management situation. And, and then you need input from a lot of different levels. And to me, that front level is the, the most important level to give you that feedback. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you'd like to add about asset management or data management platforms that we haven't touched on yet? Because I'm aware it's a, such a short time, so there's no way we could yeah. possibly cover it all. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, if, if I could offer any advice, it would be this, that um, very few people are good at everything. Um, and there are some people who are incredible experts in segments of our business. And when it comes to asset management and data management, um, you know, most people aren't math gurus. They may be able to count really well, but some are really good at it. And sometimes you need some help in that space. So I would recommend that if, if data management isn't your strong suit, that you find somebody to help you or some company to help you where it is their strong suit. Too important not to be good at it. Alrighty. So Dave, again, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time to be on Fleet FYI's. We've really appreciated not only your expertise, but also your time and taking the time to speak with us. No problem, Gretchen. I don't know about you, but I find that whenever I'm speaking with Dave, I always, metaphorically of course, walk out of the conversation with a wealth of knowledge and new talking points to explore that previously I didn't have. He has such an interesting take on things and definitely relies on a bunch of different perspectives whilst taking into account new opinions and more heritage opinions about the style of electrification and what to look forward to, asset management, the whole shebang. And speaking about data management, at a very high level, I know it can seem like it could be an easy task for one or a few people to tackle, especially if they're brilliant minds that are great with numbers. But in reality, as Dave said, it's a hard job, and it's one that is far too important not to be good at. So whether that's hiring a dedicated team of fleet analysts for your organization, or even taking a look into hiring a company like Utilimark to do the heavy lifting for you, it should always be a top priority of any fleet, no matter their location, to properly manage and understand the data that they're getting from their fleet assets. Before we signed off, Dave mentioned to me that if anyone would like to get in touch with him to speak about what you've heard covered in any of these last three episodes, the best way to reach him is on LinkedIn. He's very active on that platform and is more than happy to open up a conversation with you. And we've linked his profile both in the show notes on our website and in the description of this episode should you wish to check it out. However, if you'd rather send me an email, that's always an option and I can certainly get the two of you in touch that way as well. Anyways, I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day, and we will be back in your headphones next week on Thursday. I will see you then. Hey there. I think this is the time that I should cue the virtual high five, because you've just finished listening to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. If you're already wanting more content, head over to utilimark.com, which is utilimark with a C, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com for the show notes and extra insights coming straight from our analysts to you. That's all from me this week. So until next time, I'll catch you later.